Hi, I'm Andy McDonald, Senior Pastor of Whole Life Church here in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational congregation, a faith community committed to our mission to love people into lifelong friendship with God. And we're committed to our vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. I'm so glad that you can be with us uh, at a distance, even through our online service. I wish I could be right with you in person. Uh, I miss the contacts of all of us being together. We're working hard to figure out how to get back live, and yet we want to be confident and protective of our congregation as we go. As we begin today for the, the message part, I'd like to pray again before we start. Father, as we think about the text that you've given us for this day, I pray you'll teach us what you want us to know, to be able to see things from your perspective that might give us hope and courage in these times of waiting. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We as humans are pretty egocentric. The story we are most interested in is our own. In the, in the movie called Our Life, we are, after all, the star. And everyone else, even our co-stars, we really sort of relegate them to necessary props, extras that round out our story. Now, now what we must realize, if we stop and think about it, is that all of everyone else might be assigned an extra title. In their own minds, the star of their movie is them, and and we are the, uh, the extras to their movie. Every human is, that's, is, a, is the central character in their own story. And I become an extra for theirs. Because of this egocentrism, we, we may imagine our good days as the best days ever for anyone. And of course, the difficult uh, days, we may see it as the worst ever as we sing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. There is some truth to that song if we understand that no one else has been in our shoes exactly. No one else has ever looked out through our eyes or heard with our ears or felt with our body what we do. Of course, the song is blatantly untrue in almost every singing if we mean that our suffering is worse or more severe than other people's suffering. I say this because now, immersed in our eighth month of COVID-19, there's coming on us this sense of collective exhaustion. And in our typical egocentric fashion, we imagine that our situation to be the worst. There is uh, creeping into our thinking the need to roam free without a mask and just toss caution to the wind. There's this growing need to, to give someone outside of our safe bubble a hug. I mean, just a, some stranger a hug. There's this irrational urge to throw away the hand sanitizer. And who would have imagined that we would have a a hunger, a hunger in our souls to have a face-to-face meeting to work on some project, no Zoom and no mask. But as bad as the current scene is in our movie, it's really primarily bad only as compared to our normal freedoms. For those in prison, our limited life outside of those prison walls, even with all the restrictions, looks like paradise by comparison. In places where starvation was a real threat prior to COVID, our maybe having to 
sit outside at a restaurant or wait a little longer because of reduced capacity or having to get takeout seems, I'm sure, very petty to those whose personal movie is playing scenes of starvation. For those who end up in the hospital, one patient told me the six days that he was in the hospital were the worst in his life, not because he was so sick, but due to the isolation. And that's terrible, but at least he had a hospital to which he could go, unlike millions around our globe without health care access. Over the years, I've had the privilege of being part of a number of treks through the innovation lab across the street. Each experience was meaningful and engaging, frustrating and fun. One of the significant parts in the process is gathering empathy. Most memorable for me were our empathy tours where we tried to gain understanding of others' perspectives and really come to know the situation regarding the subject area we were exploring. In our whole life church strategy to connect with others, demonstrate compassion, meet needs, win confidence, and then invite people to join us in following Jesus, the demonstrate compassion portion is to empathize, sympathize with people where they are. Truth is that that no matter what we know or how much we sympathy we can get for another situation, we still end up most concerned about our own reality. In the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah, the prophet is warning of coming disaster, that Babylon and Assyria will be a miserable instrument to bring Israel back to God to awaken them to repentance for their rebellion. By the time we get to Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet now switches from so much warning to comfort. In fact, the chapter begins, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. After all the warnings and prophetic condemnations and judgments and pointing out the the atrocities that God's chosen people had done, their cruelty to one another, the exploitation of the poor and disadvantaged, pointing out their insulting and ridiculing of God himself. Now the tone changes. By this time, Israel's army has been defeated. Israel has been overtaken. The city of Jerusalem taken captive. Things are a mess and in chaos. People have been taken captive. Much of the judgments warned about in those first 39 chapters of Isaiah have actually come to reality. Chapter 40 is a message of hope of deliverance that's coming. We, we see in this chapter even references to the coming Messiah, to John the Baptist's work of preparing the way for the Lord. But there's a huge gap in time from the messianic promises delivered in Isaiah's time until the fullness of time that God will send Jesus into the world. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John stories. Something was happening to the people in their times of tribulation. It's the same thing that happens a lot when people face hard or difficult or trying times. We know the nature of the complaints, the the thinking, because Isaiah has heard them. Isaiah 40 verse 27 reveals two things the people were saying while they waited. First, the Lord doesn't see our troubles. And secondly, God refuses to hear our case. Now, now, we haven't been in captivity for decades of time. COVID-19 crisis is only about eight months on us. Not a decade upon a decade upon a decade. And, and yet we're tempted to slide to Israel's side and whine that this is still going on. 
We may even begin to feel that the Lord doesn't see our troubles. Or, or we, oh, oh, we know intellectually that God is all-knowing. He sees everything. So we know he sees our troubles. But bottom line is we feel. We feel like he doesn't see our troubles because it doesn't feel like he's doing anything to fix it. And from our perspective, we feel God is sort of sitting on his hands. We pray. But when nothing seems to get better, we we make assumptions that he's not listening and that he won't hear our case. And our weariness deepens. I, I love Isaiah's response to this, oh, poor me, this doubting God kind of thinking. Verse 28, Isaiah chapter 40 says, have you not never heard? Do you not understand? And implied in the very wording is the condemnation of their forgetting. They have heard. They, they have understood. Here it is. Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God? Listen, Isaiah is saying, listen, nothing's catching your God off guard. He is from everlasting to everlasting. That, that's a lot of water to see go under the bridge. And just because there is, a, is little evidence from your perspective that the Lord sees your troubles, don't think for a second that he could, he could not see them if he didn't want to. All things are open to his divine survey. He, he doesn't miss a trick. He's not like you. Isaiah says to his people and, and to us, God is aware, and not just aware, but he precedes you and he follows you. He is the everlasting God, forwards and backwards. Keep things in perspective. Our God is the creator of all the earth. He isn't just everlasting. He created everything that is, including you. And the creator reigns over his creation. We answer to him. He doesn't answer to us. We we can whine and imagine that God doesn't know about our troubles or that he won't give us his ear. The truth is, as egocentric and self-interested as we are, he cares more about us than we do for ourselves. Like, but better than a mother's love. Just like that, but it's even better than her love for a child. God is watching over us. Our youngest grandchild is Holden, is almost 17 months old. And there's very little time when he's awake and that one of the adults in his life isn't keeping an eye on him. Watching him, allowing exploration, but protecting. And our God is watching over us as the one who made us. And he has lots of experience watching over things since he is from everlasting to everlasting. Sometimes watching over a toddler can be very exhausting. I remember caring for our first grandchild, Paxton, for a couple of days right before his sister was born when he was just two years old. Vicky and I aren't in horrible shape, but after those couple of days, we were laying exhausted on the bed talking about how fortunate it was for us that God had given us our children when we were really young. Uh, It seems like there is no break, and we can become tired and faint and weary, but not God. Isaiah says, he, the everlasting God, the creator God, your God, never grows faint or weary. He doesn't grow faint or weary physically. He doesn't grow faint or weary mentally. Verse 28 ends, no one can measure the depths of his understanding. In those moments when the silence of God is deafening to you, in in those moments when we feel invisible to God, it just isn't so. 
God's blessings aren't required to identify themselves as blessings up front. Blessings oftentimes come to us in disguise. Winston Churchill, after leading so well through the war, lost the election in 1945. His wife, Clementine, wanting to be helpful and try to console her husband, said, this may be a blessing in disguise. To which he responded, if it be so, the blessing is very well disguised. COVID-19 is a horrible global pandemic. And as we experience it, we may tend to focus on all the loss. But mixed in with all the tragedy are disguised blessings. Many families have shared more meals in these eight months than in all their previous life combined. Parents and children have bonded. They've had talks and played games and enjoyed true Sabbath rest. People have gone for walks in the neighborhood they only normally drive into or out of. Some people have actually learned to cook. Available quiet time with God has increased for some. Maybe some have reduced their self-sufficiency. And for others, self-understanding may have gone up. But as we have gone on and on, it has also created tiredness, a a feeling of being worn out, a, a sense of weakness, a collective weariness. You know, the poor Israelites, defeated, taken captive, overrun, had those exact feelings. Isaiah to them and to us says, here's what the everlasting creator of everything, the one who knows all, wants to do. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. I I think you are like me, and we want the power, uh, the power and the strength of God. But when we think we have it all together, when, when we're relying on our power and think of ourselves as energized and capable and strong, we're not ready to be recipients of God's gifts. One of the blessings in disguise in the time of difficult times is that they awaken to us to the reality of our need. That we're tired and worn out and weak. That's when the everlasting creator, omnipotent, omniscient God over all gives us his power and his strength. There's nothing much more wonderful than a, a fully trained, fully prepared young athlete competing in the games. The Olympics glue us to watch amazing athletic feats from the best of the best where competitions are won or lost by hundredths of a second. But even these elite, superior, trained, prepared athletes can become exhausted. And some young men will actually give up. This brings us to verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like an eagle. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. For whom do these incredible results occur? Those who wait on the Lord. Now that that word wait isn't like sitting on a bench waiting for the train. It 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 implies an engaged waiting. The word can be translated hope or trust. It's an act of hoping and trusting while we wait. We don't want to get discouraged and give up. God's timing might not fit our timetables. There's an old song called, You Can't Hurry God. And the refrain says this, He's a God you can't hurry. You don't have to worry. He may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. We are impatient, impatient to move on. 
We tend to focus in this scripture even on flying high like eagles. But some commentators and wiser exegetes than me see in this verse an amazing godly call to progress through descent. What had put Israel into a bad place? It was that they had, what had corrupted them, the government and the religion, and had resulted in exploitation of those least powerful in the nation, was commitment, even blind loyalty, to progress through ascent, to go up. We don't often call this out as the very root of sin and rebellion. It was Lucifer in the perfect, idyllic, sinless place called heaven in whom the mystery of the iniquity arose. And it was simply this, I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. And that initial human temptation in the garden was eat the fruit and you can ascend to be like God. Most all of the conflicts that have plagued our planet have been about someone or some group of people wanting to ascend. Here in our text for today, Isaiah says in a way that those of us, even followers of God, hear through our sinful ears as almost being backward. When our strength has been renewed, it would seem that we would learn to walk and and then we would run and not get weary and then we would lift off and fly like eagles. But instead... When our strength is renewed, we soar high on wings like eagles, and then we land and we run without growing weary, and finally, we walk without fainting. You see, that's our goal, to walk, trusting, leaning, helped as necessary to catch our step, but walk with our Lord, waiting, hoping, trusting that even when it seems he doesn't see our trouble or hear our case, to know that he does. We walk in faith because we know the everlasting creator, omnipotent, all-knowing God is with us. And in his strength, we walk with him while we wait in hope for the day when he will be able to walk with him face to face. And while we wait, we have this great privilege. It, it is the privilege to imitate Christ who being in the very form of God, flying high on eagles eagles wings in heaven, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held on to. But instead he humbled himself and he came to this earth to run the race and not grow weary. And finally to walk the way of the cross and not faint. For he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is what we can do while we wait, because he, because of who he is, with his strength renewed in us, we can fly high like eagles, and then we can run the marathons of this world because of who he is and because he has made our souls well. We walk the way of the cross and serve humanity. That's what we can do while we wait. We can walk and not faint as servants, servants. We can walk the way of the cross. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, Don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. 
That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.